Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. So hey, we're going to jump through our scripture this morning, if you have your Bible or a device. If you don't, we'll have scripture up on the screen. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 10, verses 24 through 36, and 44 through 45. So in Acts 10, verse 24, it says, They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they walked, so they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you for this room and I thank you for these people and Um, I just pray that you will be with us over these next few minutes. Um, We thank you for those two babies and um, what they mean for this place. Uh, We pray blessing over them and their lives. We pray blessing over their parents. Um, We thank you that they are, are, uh, for us, evidence of your mercy. And so I just, I ask for that today, that that would be the continued theme of this morning, that we would... Um, I don't know, see and believe the evidence of your mercy. Uh, I pray um, for, there are lots of us that are traveling, and so we just speak blessing over travel and safety over travel, and uh, we ask that um, evidence of your mercy would be evident to the people that we love who are honestly all over the country right now. Uh, We love you, and we thank you for being with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Um. 
All right, so we, we're a couple of weeks uh, into a series that we're calling Extraordinary, and um, this is our premise. I, I, I know summer's crazy, so I want to, just in case you've missed us or we've missed you over the last few weeks, to let you know uh, where we've been so that today maybe makes a little more sense. But we've been talking about um, what happens uh, before big moves of God, that when you look in the scriptures and throughout history, before big moves of God, uh, you always see... Um, extraordinary prayer and fasting. And so our target every week has been to offer you something extra uh, to add to your ordinary, hence the word extraordinary. Um, as I said last week, I was blown away by the statistic that, that nine out of 10 Americans say that they pray in some way. And so we're kind of using that statistic to uh, it's, that's so funny. I said that statistic again and your faces were the same as last week. Like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> the internet never lies, folks. So, um, <laughs> But we're taking that and we're uh, assuming that in this room, probably that statistic is at least close to true, that 9 out of 10 of, of you are praying, and so, or a big chunk of you are praying. And so we're taking that ordinary thing that you do and we are raising it um, uh, by offering you practices and resources to, again, add to what you probably or might already be doing. Um, and so for the, for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at extraordinary from a really internal perspective. We've talked about fasting. We've talked about doubt and silence and um, anger and prayer with God. We talked last week about imaginative prayer. These were really internally focused things. And so we're going to move and shift a little bit outward again. We'll come back inward um, for you mystics in the room. But we're going to go outward for, for the next couple of weeks and, and talk about uh, 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 prayer, what it's like to pray for other uh, people. So uh, today, honestly, is going to be super, super practical. Like we said, this was kind of lecture and lab series, and this is, this is going to be a really, really practical thing. Um, it's one of those things that I, if you, uh, I grew up in the church, so I was always told to pray for people. I, I knew that people prayed for people. People said, I'm praying for you. You know, it's just sort of a thing. Um, but, but I feel like I was a little bit confused about how to pray for people unless I knew like an exact thing to pray for. Like if someone has a broken leg, it was like, oh, that, that you know, or a, a broken relationship or a, a job that they want or, you know, something like that. It's like when, you, when I knew what to pray for, it made sense, but I wasn't really sure how to pray for people unless there was like the big glaring thing. And so I, that's kind of what we're going to hit on uh, today. So to get there, I want to talk for just a minute about uh, a thought on how we live that I think impacts us uh, in this thinking. So, um, if you, if you know our family well, the Mizell family well, then you know uh, that we love live music. We love concerts. One of my kids uh, recently said that they were afraid that in their lives there were going to be places and cities that they were never going to get to travel to because those places and cities don't host concerts. And I was like, that's honestly probably true. Like, you can do that on your own time. But uh, <laughs> we, we, we love them. That, that's how we travel. We, we, we love them. And, um, and we uh, have some dear friends, uh, the Fergusons, who have become uh, our concert buddies. And we love going to shows with them for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons is Sarah, uh, the mom slash wife. And Sarah's out of town today, so I feel very comfortable talking to, about her uh, here. So... Um, but anyway, the most fun thing about going to, con oh, are you FaceTiming her while I'm talking? Sorry, that's Rodney, everyone. <laughs> Round of applause. Um, <laughs> the, mo the most fun thing about going to concerts with Sarah is uh, that Sarah, no matter where we're sitting and no matter what our tickets say, Sarah's convinced that every concert is better from the front row and that everyone is welcome to go to the front row. <laughs> 
It's a wonderful way to go to a show. So again, no matter where we're sitting, no matter what the ticket says, at some point in the concert, the same thing happens pretty much every time. Sarah will look at us and she has like the eyes. I don't even know how to describe it. She has the eyes and she'll look over and she'll go, want to go to the front? And then the same things happen. Daniel and Rodney look at Sarah and go, ah, I don't know. Our tickets are, you know, row five billion seat B. And I don't know if we should. And I go, yes, we definitely want to go to the front. And then all the kids go, yes, we definitely go to, want to go to the front. And so uh, we have been to shows. We've seen a lot of shows, or at least a lot of songs, uh, right from the front row. Um, here's a picture. I think Taylor got a picture of one of my favorite uh, moments. Oh, can you, oh, it's so dark. Okay, here, let me describe it to you. Um, this is like when my kids think that I'm lame. I, this is my evidence that we were cool at some point in time. Um, but this is a band called Dawes that we love. And uh, this was one of the first shows that we took our kids to. So I don't know, our kids are seven or eight maybe. And uh, came on Graham. And this right here, these are their heads. And this is their elbow sitting on the stage watching one of their favorite bands of all time, like, with their elbows on the stage. It was so, so magic. Daniel and Rodney actually joined us down front for that one. Um, it, was, it was magic. Like they, I think that they think that we like know every band or something, and so they just get to walk to the front. I don't know. Um, it almost always goes well for us, uh, except when it doesn't. And uh, sometimes it doesn't. Last summer, uh, we, we went to see the, the Avett brothers at Bonnaroo, and uh, Sarah, Huck, and Kayla and I uh, snuck up to the front to see a song, as we do, and it was awesome. And then we take the bigger kids, and Megan and uh, Campbell and Graham come with us, and, and we sing them to the front, and it's awesome. And then we've gotten confident. And so at that point, anytime we like a song, we're just like, would you rather see it? Let's just go to the front. And so then it's like all of us. Minus Rodney and Daniel. All of us are in this pack walking to the front uh, of the show. And, um, and, and because there was a bigger number, we, we were then spotted by a security team who then uh, very kindly invited us not to sit in the front. Um, and so we, we saw that invitation from them and, and heard it and really let it sink in. So we moved to the other side of the front. And... Um, <laughs> where they then found us a second time and again invited us to, to return to our seats, which were not the front. And then we even got invited by someone sitting in the front that we could sit with them, at which point the security guards a third time uh, let us know that we were not invited to actually come to the front. Um, so, uh, but we were relentless. So were they. Um, and so, uh, but the thing that makes Sarah so successful at watching parts of concerts from the front row is that um, is this assumption in her uh, that, that that's just part of going to the show. Like she knows going in exactly what she's going to do. She is confident in uh, this assumption. And, you know, not all security teams agree with Sarah, but that has not stopped her confidence. <laughs> that has not thwarted her in any way. She assumes that she has permission. Um, uh, and so she goes until she's told that she does not have uh, permission, um, you, often by security guards who don't think we're as cute as we think we are. We do the like, but they're kids, you know. That's why we brought them, so we could go to the front. No, I'm just kidding. We, we love you. That's why we bring you. Um, 
this may be a stretch, uh, but I think that there's something in this that keeps us, um, uh, something that's like in Sarah, uh, but something maybe lacking in us that kind of keeps us from jumping into the work and the ministry of the kingdom of God. Uh, Because I think oftentimes we are showing up in our lives operating uh, less like Sarah at a concert um, and kind of in our lives waiting around for permission uh, to do the things of the kingdom or to do the work of the kingdom. Like, Like sometimes that the work of God in uh, others feels like, or, or all over the world feels like something that we aren't allowed to do or aren't permitted to go all in on or are like waiting, maybe we're just waiting for permission or some sort of clear sign uh, to jump in. Uh, but the truth is, if we follow Jesus, uh, or maybe the way that we see it is like if we follow Jesus, we bought a ticket to the show, but we're in the nosebleeds and we're waiting for somebody to invite us a little bit uh, closer so that eventually we can get our elbows on the stage. It's waiting for someone to give us permission. Uh, We uh, talk a lot in this room about identity and purpose. Uh, But for many of us, especially um, if you grew up around the church, my hunch is this, um, but for many of us, we've only engaged in the work of the kingdom uh, in the seat that we started in. Uh, for, for very few of us has it moved beyond the place wherever we started, wherever we were introduced. Um, we, we, for example, if, if there is a church program or a church plan around some sort of kingdom work, we're all in. But when it comes to engaging our own lives with mission, we kind of stall out there. We kind of wait for more information there or wait for permission there. And so our everyday lives have had uh, very little infiltration from the mission and purpose of the kingdom of God. Uh, Sort of like we have this idea that the mission of the kingdom, that joining God in the renewal of all things is something we take part in uh, occasionally, but uh, in a bigger way is for the radical few who are brave enough to sneak up to the front row. Uh, But if you spent much time at Springbrook, uh, you know that we believe that the work and the mission of the kingdom of God is for everyone. It's not just something that we can do sometimes. It's something that we have been invited to do, to play at at every single level. Uh, The founder of our denomination, our whole movement, the Vineyard, John Wimber, uh, he says that in the kingdom of God, everybody gets to play. Like it's just one of our taglines, like everybody gets to play at, at all the levels. Read for that. Everybody has access access to the front row. Everybody. And so uh, beyond that, we believe that the work of joining God in the renewal of all things is something uh, that we all have permission to do. But beyond that, we also think it's something that's promised to us. That's not something we just have to do, but a promise for us, an excitement for us, an adventure promised to us. The the work of the kingdom, it's not just for pastor types. It isn't isn't a have to so that we can earn our place in heaven. It's, It's the way we're permitted to show up in the world. And at the same time, it is our promise to claim as followers of Jesus. And I think that that brain shift matters. Uh, I think I've said this before, but Chad, a lot of times at work, he will ask me, like, I'm like, we got this going on, and he'll say, is that a have to or a want to? And it's a great way of distinguishing things, and embarrassingly, most of the time, I'm like, have to. Uh, but, but, but that's kind of the, the brain shift. When we see our work in the kingdom of something not just permitted, but promised, it becomes not just something we have to do, but something that we get to. 
something that uh, we want to. Because uh, when you have both the promise and the permission of renewal, uh, then, then you get to just show up. You get to show up how you are. You don't have to show up perfect. Because in it you is the assumption that God is the one doing the renewing. And so you don't have to show up on the scene with like an advanced degree. Or you didn't have to like go to seminary. Because uh, to show up means acknowledging that in the world our hands belong to the Father. And, and, and our work is accomplished through the Spirit of God. And so when there's, there's promise and when there's permission, uh, then we have all that we need to walk into the places where we live and work and learn and play uh, with the good news of God's great love and God's hope for everyone everywhere. Uh, I read about this idea from uh, Casey Underground. We've referenced them a lot over the past few weeks. Um, Casey Underground is a church planting movement and like resourcing thing out of Kansas City that we're both fans of and, and friends with. And they, I read about this from them. I actually think it started with Francis Chan. So, you know, I don't know who to give credit to, but some great people. Um, but they talk about learning to live with the permission and the promise of the kingdom of God, uh, that it is, uh, that, that the kingdom of God is living and active and ours to take part in. And, and their idea around this is they say that if we want to do this, then we're supposed to learn how to live exegetically. That's their phrase, uh, exegetical. It's a big church word, exegetical. Say it with me, exegetical. It's kind of hard to say, right? Um, uh, exegetical, uh, essentially, the, the word most often gets used to describe a way to like read and study and preach the Bible. Um, but the literal definition of it is a critical interpretation of something. Uh, so it's sort of like a Bible science word. Um, essentially, it means that, that you would start with the Bible and then you would work your way out from there. That You would start with the scriptures and then find out meaning. The opposite of it is eisegetical. Eisegetical is you start with meaning and then apply meaning to the scriptures exegetical is start with the scriptures and then apply meaning uh, going out. That you would, you would start with the scriptures and then with a critical imagination and the critical process, uh, you would mine the meaning and interpretation out of what they have to say rather than starting with the meaning and then applying it to that. So uh, when people call themselves exegetical preachers, they often mean that they go verse by verse and line by line critically interpreting uh, the scriptures. I've heard it called mining the scriptures. It's, it's looking at them and then discerning their truth for application in our lives. Uh, but I think the word exegetical can apply more broadly than just to a preacher, um, or at least we're going to let it apply more broadly today. Uh, I think part of our permission and promise as part of the mission and kingdom of God is to learn to take an exegesis of our everyday life. To learn how to carefully and sensitively and critically look at the places where we live and work and learn and play in order to discern the truth of God's presence there in the places where we are. This is one of the ways that we learn uh, how to hear from God. It's, it's learning to see our lives as full of places uh, for the truth of God to be uncovered and, and full of places for the, voices of, or the voice of God to be heard. Uh, living exegetically, it means um, having both the permission and the promise to mind the places and things and interactions of our lives as if they might actually be filled with the work of the Holy Spirit and the activity of the kingdom of God. 
Uh, it's what's happening in our, Acts, our, our, our text today from the book of Acts. I think it's funny that I'm talking about exegetical preaching and then not doing it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it is what's happening in our text today. Peter, right before where, uh, where Chad picked up, he's laying on a roof and he's praying for vision from God. And God gives him this. Uh, he's asking these intentional questions about ministry. And then God answers him with this like wild revelation. It's where bacon comes on the scene. So you should be very interested in it. Um, and then Cornelius is uh, in his town and, and in, in, in another place, and he's doing something very, very similar. And the Spirit speaks to him. The Spirit sends both of them uh, to a similar place. And because of that, the gospel uh, goes to new places and new people. It becomes the thing not just spreading to the Jews, but spreading all uh, through uh, gen- Gentilian places. And It was this eye-opening, exegetical stance for Peter and for Cornelius that leads to the stories of Jesus uh, infiltrating an entire people group. I think the same thing, the same spirit that gives vision to them, that gives vision to Peter and to Cornelius, is inviting us to live and look in a similar way with exegetical intention for the activity of the kingdom in the places where we live and work and learn and play. Uh, Showing up in these places Uh, exegetically means that we would show up with the confidence in the promise of God that he is there and that he is active and that he is working and that we might be able to see it. It means learning to use our eyes and our ears and our minds to critically discern the activity of the kingdom, of the messages of God in the places where we are. And so we apply science to our spirituality and we learn to ask a few questions in these places. Uh, Here's the questions. Uh, It means showing up where we are and asking these questions. What is this place? Who are these people? And what is God doing there? We show up unassuming. We show up curious. What is this place that I go to work to every day? Who are these people that are my neighbors? And what is God doing here in in pickleball or whatever? Um, It's having critical eyes to intentionally see our lives. And so as we learn to see these places where we live and work and learn and play with critical interpretation, then we start to see more of what God might have for us in in these moments and in these spaces. Uh, Side note, when I say showing up critically or or with critical eyes, I mean scientific eyes more than I mean judgmental eyes. Uh, Anyone can point out the flaws somewhere, right? Anyone can do that. This is so much more than that. Living exegetically is less about mining a space for flaws as it is searching for the truth and the activity of the kingdom of God everywhere. What is this place? Who are these people? What is God doing? What is God up to here? And if we want to talk about what it means to uh, pray for other people in extraordinary ways, uh, living exegetically with our eyes wide open uh, to where we are and who we're with and what God might be doing that's so important, I think we have to add one more question uh, to our list. Um, a couple of, uh, around Easter, uh, or a couple of months before Easter, uh, uh, our church helped, we, sometimes we do things that you may not know we're happening, but we help plan this like Easter egg hunt and cookout at a low-income apartment. And so we're really big on like, we don't just want to show up and be like, hey, we're here for today and here's all our money thrown at your candy. You know, it's like we want to empower people places to do what they do. So that's what we're doing. We're meeting with the folks from Grayson Apartments and like, how can we help you do this but allow you to go do it? And, and so in this meeting, Josh Armstrong, who's our missionary, he keeps asking the same question over and over and over again. He says, what would good news look like for Grayson Apartments? 
And he's asking the apartment manager. And he's, ask, and he's just like, what does good news look like for Grace Apartments? And he keeps asking it over and over and over again. And I was like, this is a great question. It's a really, really good question. Uh, it's the question that Peter was asking in Joppa for Cornelius and for his buddies in our scripture lesson today. What does good news look like there? What does peace with God look like there? And I think it's our next question when we think about looking critically and looking exegetically at our lives. When, when you know where you are and you know who's there and you've started to see some of the evidence of the kingdom of, of God at work, I think the next step, the fourth question is to say, what does good news look like here? What does peace with God look like here? What could renewal and hope and flourishing look like at Denzo? What, what, what could good news look like in this client or this patient or this school system that I work in? Or, you know, fill, fill in your, your own blanks on um, the places where you are and, and the things that you do. Uh, these are questions that I think can um, kind of frame and train us for our whole lives. Learning how to see what is this place? Who are these people? What is God doing? And what could good news look like here? What could flourishing and wholeness look like here? Uh, so here's what we're going to do today. I told you it was really practical. We're going to kind of put legs on this with these cards. Every week we've given you some cards for practice. If you've missed the last few weeks, um, at the end of your row are all the cards we've given out so far. Or you can grab them on your way out. Uh, they're on the info table. Uh, but grab the card. If you don't have a card in your seat, whisper to somebody and get them to, to hand you one. Um, and they should all have pins. If not, there's probably a pin in the connect card thing right in front of you. Um, and then we flip it over on the back. It's the green card. That probably helps. If you'll flip it over on the back, you'll have four circles. Um, places where you live, work, learn, and play. We're going to do two things this morning. Um, the first thing is we're going to fill in uh, these circles. Uh, so each of these circles represents an area of your life where you interact with other human beings. Um, and I want to help you to define those areas. I think most of us are probably three out of four on them. Uh, for some of us, there might be like a, oh, I don't know if I do that. Uh, I don't know that I learn anymore or, <laughs> or whatever. So here, I'm going to use Daniel because I'm married to him um, and, and tell you maybe what his circles would be. And that might help you as you think through your circles. So uh, Daniel lives in Springbrook. That's his live. That's, that's his. Uh, Eugene Peterson talks about your square mile of concrete. He says, stand in your living room or in the front of your apartment building or whatever and just do this and everything you see that's where you live okay so think with that in mind your neighborhood your street your farm your apartment building whatever that's where you live uh, Daniel works at Denzo that is an easy one that's 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 where he works um Daniel learns exclusively from Facebook posts he thinks they're the best way to learn I'm just kidding um <laughs> he doesn't have any social media also just the, just a preacherly advice Facebook's not teaching you much. Um, okay, so uh, learns is a very tricky one today. This is kind of where we landed as he and I were talking about this. Um, Daniel, as I told you a few weeks ago, is an elite athlete, and so he is learning um, a lot about exercise. So his learning spot has become uh, people who are listening to similar podcasts as him or, or learning about exercise. For Chad, it's, it's CrossFit, as he tells us every time he preaches. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's, we, have these, we have these things, these places where we learn. That one is maybe takes a little bit more creativity. For me, it's the microbiome, as I tell you every time I preach, right? So it's just me and the Kesslers learning over in this little triangle. Um, so where you learn that, my, for, you may be like, oh, I'm in school. It's my classroom or whatever. It may be a little trickier. Um, and then play, Daniel plays at the John Severe pickleball courts. 
all the time. So that was an easy one. Um, play could be where your kids play. Play could be it, 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 that it, fishing, you know, your hobbies, things like that. Um, I feel like play and learn are the are the most ambiguous, but. I hope this, they're not like hard, I'm not like going to check your paper. So, you know, if it helps you, maybe write a little subtitle down there. Um, but here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to be really quiet for a few minutes, um, which I can do. And uh, I'm just going to be really quiet. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to do. You have five blanks under that. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you five names in those spaces. So five names of five people that are in the spaces you want. And it may be as simple as the five people that you think of first, or it may be as complex as um, the Holy Spirit giving you a face. You may not even know their name, and you can just write, you know, brown hair or whatever. So, um, so I'm going to pray and bless it, and then we're just going to be quiet for a minute and let you fill it. And when I see enough of your eyes, we'll move on to step two. So come Holy Spirit. Will you uh, put five people in four places on each of our minds? Uh, and if we're struggling with where these places are, will you, will you give us vision for, for where we do learn or where we do play, um, things like that. So, uh, Holy Spirit, we trust you. Five people. Okay. If you're not done, you can keep going. Also, if you didn't get five, that does, that does not mean you're a bad person or Christian. Um, did anyone learn that they need to play more? Because I did. Um, okay. So, We've got that. Okay, will you flip your card to the other side? This is a twofer. Um, uh, if you grew up in the church um, and uh, you've been talking about praying or praying for people for forever, um, again, I told you, I, I feel like I was kind of winging it on how to pray for people other than the big glaring things. Um, and so if there wasn't a specific prayer request, it was kind of hard to know, um, especially if they're people that you don't know super well. Um, and then this rhythm came into my life. Uh, it's called bless. I need you to, I need you to know, I hope this gives it credence. Like I am very anti-acronym. I think they're the cheesiest way to get information to any human. Um, I think they're lazy, and I don't like them. And then I hired Chad, and he brings, like, all these acronyms into my life. And I'm like, they're so lame. And then I, I finally read them, and I'm like, oh, that's actually incredibly helpful. <laughs> like, there, there's a reason that for centuries, I don't know, I assume, there's a reason that uh, since marketing people have used uh, acronyms. So um, this one legitimately changed the way I pray. For people. So it's coming to you. Um, and this will be our practice this week. Uh, our practice this week, we promise to give you a practice that's five minutes a day for five days a week. And uh, so this is going to be it, is we're going to take uh, our, our list on the back, and we're going to go through, you see it's divided by day one, two, three, four, and five, and we're going to pray for people using this BLESS acronym. So on day one, you will play, pray blessing over the physical bodies of the people that you're praying for. That may sound like a, a weird thing to pray, but like we pray for healing all the time. Like it is not a weird thing to, to pray for, for someone's bodies. And it also makes sense that we, if we're going to pray for the healing of something, that we would also pray for the blessing of something, right? So we, wanna, we want to pray and speak uh, blessing over these things. So we'll go through the order. Um, uh, and, and just side note, for the record, uh, um, I think sometimes um, if you were raised in the church tradition, I was, I'm reluctant to play, pray blessing over something because I feel like I'm going to end up being a preacher on TV with a, with a private jet, right? So um, I know that's a risk that could happen at any moment for me. Um, just waiting, waiting for, for the moment. Um, but... Uh, 
that, that is not, that is a really warped view of blessing. A biblical, exegetical, scriptural view of blessing is that we see it all throughout the scriptures. Paul, to every church he writes to, he's like, here are the blessings I'm praying over you. Uh, that God would bless you with wisdom. That God would bless you with kindness. He's praying these blessings. We have the priestly blessing in numbers. We sing it here sometimes. God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. May he lift the light of his countenance upon you. We, blessing prayer is a biblical, biblical thing. It is a spiritual practice for people who follow Jesus to pray for blessing for people in our lives. So, uh, for example, it is not outside the, the bounds of Scripture. And, and, and these are the words. I'm going to give you the words to say. Um, to say something like, um, God, you have given me permission. You have given me authority as a, son, a daughter of the king, a son of the king, to pray blessing over Chad, over his physical body. I, I know that Chad's pinky is hurt, and so I want to speak blessing into his pinky. It really is. You all can all pray for that. Um, uh, to speak blessing over Chad's physical body or, or to speak joy and peace and hope and restorations in his relationships. Like I, I can pray those things for people. That is a, a, a completely like biblically okay way to pray. So, um, so that's what we'll do. So we'll take one day and, and you'll just go through everybody on your list. And it should, you know, I'm not, you don't want to spend, you know, 30 minutes on one person. It's just, okay, on, uh, for, you know, these people, for these people, I'm going to pray blessing over their body. I'm going to pray blessing over their body. I'm going to pray blessing over their body, okay? Um, and then we'll go through, we'll do, uh, I was going to read their names. That's what got me tripped up. You don't even know who's on my list. Um, uh, so, okay, uh, that, that, so that's how we'll do it. And here, just a side note, um, if you want to tell people that you're praying for them, you absolutely can. That is um, absolutely fine. Uh, but uh, what I have found is really cool is that as you kind of pray this and then you have your eyes wide open in your life, what happens is you start to see the activity of the kingdom in a way that they don't even know about. I legitimately have a friend that lives in, not even in this country, and she called the other, was texting me the other day, and she had this really scary medical test, and, and she texted, and she was like, I, it, this showed up on the scan, and then I went a few weeks later, and it's not there anymore. Are you praying for me? And she's not even a Christian. She was just like, I know you are. Is that you praying? And I'm like, yes. I am praying for you. Like, it, it was incredible. So tell them if you want, but it, it's also really fun to, like, pray and then just open your eyes and open your ears and listen. And, and the spirit, I promise, will, will show up uh, in very cool ways. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do a little mini practice uh, today. And Daniel or Emily or whoever bandwise wants to come up, this will be our Selah. Um, we're going to practice this, this rhythm. We're going to take the five blessed things, body, labor, emotional, social, and spiritual. And there are descriptions next to all of them. And here's what I want you to do. Um, I, I was going to use someone on our list, and then legitimately I feel like the Holy Spirit said this while we were praying before church. Um, but school is starting. Alcoa teachers go back tomorrow, which is lunacy. Uh, Maryville is very soon. Anyway, it's starting. And so will you do this? Will you pick an educator in your life, a teacher, administrator? Um, if you don't know one, they're, they're probably sitting on a row with you because we got a bunch. Um, we pick an educator in your life, and they could be your teacher, someone you know. It doesn't, they don't even have to be in this state. We pick an educator in your life, and then we're just going to take a few minutes, and will you go through this list, and will you pray blessing over them? Uh, God, you have given me the permission and the authority to pray for blessing over, you know, the, the whatever educator's life, Misty's life. I, I have permission to pray blessing over her body. I have and so I, I pray blessing over her labor, her work, her security. I pray for her emotional, you know. So go through and do that. I will pray 
and bless us as we pray for others. One more thing. I'm so sorry. Um, if you have kids, our kids are doing this today too. And so um, take your cards home and, and talk this through with them. Jordan kind of um, wrote out a little more kid-like versions, but they're still praying through these exact bless rhythms. So, okay, let's pray. So, Father, um, I pray in this moment that you would give us the confidence of people who assume we're supposed to sit on the front row. And I pray that, um, that you would protect us from the kind of confidence that leads to arrogance of private jets and all of that business. But will you give us the kind of confidence of blessing that exists all throughout the scriptures? And so I just pray that you would bring to mind teachers and educators in our town and in our lives and in our circles. Uh, and we just ask for blessing and we proclaim blessing over their lives.